Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. So with that being said, we're going to jump into part two, the last part of this series around the table. We were talking last week, we kind of broke open the idea of relationships and every one of us, we need help with relationships. We need to honestly kind of relearn and unlearn some things relationally and even really like honestly like understand relationships are difficult and they're messy and they can be annoying generally because people are difficult, messy, and annoying. And if you're not one of those things or you don't know anyone that is one of those things, then you're that person with your friend group. That is the difficult, messy, annoying person. Some of you are like, that's totally me. I know it. They love me anyways. And we really looked at how as followers of Jesus, uh, really everyone, but particularly followers of Jesus, we have three key relationships we should have or we have in life. It'd be, the first would be intimacy with God, where even if you don't believe the scriptures, even if you don't agree uh, with our belief or my belief about Jesus and who he is, you probably have some version of God in your mind or God's in your mind. And you want to have intimacy. You want to know and be known by God. And we as followers of Jesus, we say Jesus is God. So our intimacy is not simply with this idea of a divine being, but with a person. We also looked at uh, the idea of the second group is community with believers. This is another relationship, type of relationship we have. That's what we're going to talk about today. Last week, we talked about the third and final, the influence with unbelievers. And this is where for all of us, like we have to realize it's not just about me. It's not just about the people in the room. Like I want to build influence with people who don't believe because I really believe what I believe is really good news. I really believe that God has restored all of humanity back to himself through Jesus Christ. And that there's nothing that you can do, it's nothing that I can do to earn our way back to God. It's everything that God did coming and rescuing us from the disaster, which is ourselves, and bringing us into perfect unity with him. Like, that's really, really good news. And people around you want to hear that, need to hear that. So I need to be building influence with people who don't believe, not to manipulate them or to pull them in or to get some conversion numbers, anything like that, but just because I love them. Because I, I have really good news and I'd love to share that really good news with the people around me. So today we're going to be talking about not so much building trust with unbelievers, but building community with believers. And when we talk about community, honestly, every one of us has an idea of what community is. And we're all part of different communities. Some of us, like we think about like an HOA, uh, a subdivision, apartment community. Like this is the community that I'm a part of. Some of it's a, it's a, a sports community. We're athletes. Like we, we love sports. Like I love sports. I'm a sports nerd, right? There's all different kinds of nerds. Like there's sports nerds. There's like the Comic-Con nerds. There's the sci-fi nerds. There's the fantasy world nerds, right? Everybody, any nerds in the house? 
Yeah, some of you are like, I don't think I'm a nerd. All right, you're just a fitness nerd, okay? You're still a nerd. Um, but here's the deal. Like, I love sports, and that's a big community, but then I go, I love football, which is a smaller community. Then I love my specific football teams. Like, that puts me in a smaller, more elite community, right? And I love New England teams all the way, so very small and elite group of people. It's okay. You can argue with it, but um, don't worry about it. So some of you aren't even going to listen anymore. You're like, yo, when's this dude done? Some of you are feeling the pain, the painful. You go through hard times as a, like a Bucks fan in your community. Like, it's really, really tough living down here where you're at. But we're part of communities, and we, we have an idea when we think of community. And every single one of us, we're searching for community. I see this uh, working here at the church. Uh, other people on our staff, we see this because almost every single week, we get questions, and all the questions, a lot of them actually, not all, but a lot of them are kind of pointing to the same thing. They say it different ways, but basically it's, hey, how do I get connected? Like, how do I get friends here? Like, how can, I, how can I step in and not simply be someone who's attending on a weekend, but how can I step in and like really feel like I, I know some people and I'm connected with some people? Like, how can I have that? And the reason we have that, there's, there's probably a few reasons we could point to, but, but really this is like a, a natural instinct for us. And it's not simply the, the desire to connect, but really the goal is community. You think about it, you, if you go to the gym, if you're part of a mom's group, if you're part of a sports club, like even like a fantasy football league, like I connect with a bunch of people and everyone, honestly, all of us, we're more connected than ever, right? Over a third of the world's population is actively on social media. Just 2.2 billion are on Facebook alone. The average Facebook user has over 300 friends, but less than 30% of Facebook users said they go to social media for support. So we're connected like, I can tell you what my closest friends had for dinner yesterday, what they're doing, what she wore to that thing, how that thing went, what's going on over here, what school the kids are going to. But we're connected. We have information, but we don't have relationships. And that's where when we settle for simply connecting, we fall short. And even when we talk about having community with believers, some of us, we think like, I want to get connected to believers and we'd love to connect with you. If you're brand new here or you've been coming for a while, you've never gotten connected, we'd love to connect with you. But connecting is the first step. It's not the end goal. See, God created us for community. If you go back to the very beginning of creation, God makes all of all the world, everything in it, and he takes Adam, the man that he made. He, one person he made was Adam. Adam sees all the animals. If you have your, your Bible, you go to Genesis 2, or if you open up your CC app and go through the notes section in there under sermon notes. But this is what it says. He made Adam. Adam sees all the animals, names everything, and then looks around and goes, there's no one for me. And this is what God said about Adam. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Can I get it? Oh, yeah, from all the men. You better say, oh, yeah, you're going to be alone. Okay. So it's not good for man to be alone. Like this is, this is not a good thing. So what is God going to do about this? He made someone to be with man. Now the, the beautiful thing about this relationship is that God created humanity not as a master and slave status, but as a, a parent child status. So he walked with Adam. He had a relationship with Adam. He made himself totally available to Adam. And even God himself, think about this, the most powerful being in existence, God himself chose not to meet this need that Adam had with himself. He could have just said to Adam, Adam, I'm everything you need. Don't worry about it. Women aren't that great anyways. No, I'm just kidding. He would not have said that because women are awesome. But he said, Adam, you need somebody. 
I'm going to make you a woman. And you're going to be together and you will have beautiful community. And I would even say, this thing, if I can take a little bit of freedom here, I would say this even extends beyond just like a romantic or marriage relationship. This extends to community in general. All of us need community. Even there's a, a doctor, Dr. Ornish, who said that the need for connection and community is primal. He said it's as fundamental as a need for air, for water, and for food. And for some of us who are walking around life and we're connected to a bunch of people, and we're even in this room right now, you're surrounded by hundreds of people and you still feel alone. You still feel like, okay, like there's something that's missing. Like I need something more because how I'm living life, like simply just talking to people and hi, how are you? And shaking hands and smiling, like it's not, like it's not fulfilling me because simple connection was never meant to fulfill us. And this is why we as believers, we want to grow in our community with believers. As you look at the early church, the beginning of the movement of God, where Jesus left his followers, and said, okay, now you go do your thing. I'm going to empower you, and you're going to do it, and it's going to be incredible and awesome, and it's also going to be so hard, but you will be together, and you will be my representation here on earth. This early church, this early movement had no power, politically speaking. They had no influence. They had no money. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have any kind of stage to speak on. And somehow they had this intricate and intimate community with each other that literally shaped the entire world. It shook the, the political establishment, the religious establishment. It took, it took all those things that had the power, every place that had power, this undercut all of them and spread with incredible success, incredible power in the early church in the first century. This is for us in our gathering. If you are a believer, we want to have this same impact in our community here. We want to have this same kind of experience where these aren't just friends. These are like ride or die. Like these are like, these are my buddies. They're my sisters. Like we are together no matter what, through thick and thin. We will have this community because that type of community is attractive to people outside. So let's look at the early church. If you have, again, if you have a Bible, you open up your phone to the CC app, you can go to Acts chapter 2. This is actually, it's called Acts. It's a book in the Bible. It's Acts because it's called the Acts of the Apostles. It's like, this is the stuff. This is like a, a record of what happened in the early church. So the very beginning of the church, if you go to Acts 2, it says, that, so Peter stands up. Peter's one of Jesus' closest friends. He's one of the leaders of the church. He stands up. And he preaches this message, and basically he's in Jerusalem, which is the city that Jesus was murdered. He's in Jerusalem and tells all these people, like, Jesus, the Jesus that you murdered, the Jesus that you murdered is God. He came back to life. He is the Messiah. And all these people turn and believe in Jesus. And this is what it says. So in verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You think about this, 3,000 people. Now, I am like strategy and logistics, like that's the way my brain leans. This would give me like insane heartburn. Like I would be the one running around like, oh, okay, we can't have Peter preach anymore because he's too good. This guy, okay, what's your name? You're not any good. You get up and you talk because we can't have more people join our gathering because we got to find a place for all these people. So when you think about the early church and you think about what they're going to be doing, don't think small. Don't think 100 people, 200 people. Think big. 3,000 people. 
just in one day. And then it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. You think this is even where they're breaking bread, they're in each other's houses, they're spending time together. Not because this was like logistically like, hey, you lead that, you lead that, you lead that, you lead that. Because even if they broke it up between the 11 apostles, it was over still almost 300 people apiece. So they're trying to figure out, okay, how can we do this? And you think even in the early, the early uh, history of this time, like the way that information was shared was not always in classrooms and academics. It's through life on life. You want to learn a skill? You come into my house. You spend time with me and you will learn this skill. You want to learn what I do? You come and you spend time with me. Like you sit around my table and you see how I live life. That is how information was spread. So even in this, this early gathering of believers, they're connecting. They, they'd hear in the temple, they'd hear Peter or one of the other leaders teach something and then they'd go back and they'd be together and they'd be talking. And it's just, hey, we're just having dinner conversation. So Peter said this thing. How do we live that out? Peter said that Jesus said this, like, that's really important. If Jesus said it, it's probably important. How do I live that out? And you're interacting together. And as they're doing this, something incredible happens. It says here, if you go to verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. They gave and they give to meet anyone who had a need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When we read about this type of community, you think about this, they didn't overcomplicate what Jesus told them to do. I think probably how it looked a little bit was they all, you know, thousands of people come and they go, okay, now we're part of this movement. Like, what are we supposed to do? We've never seen the church before. We've seen like all of our temple worship and all the sacrifices. We don't need to do like, like, what are we supposed to do anymore? Like, how do we do this? And Peter would say, you know, Jesus said this thing about if you can do this, you'd be able to get it all together. If you can love your neighbor as yourself, go do that. We're not going to have a big conference about it. We're not going to have a, a three-part message about it. We're not going to have a, like basically just go love your neighbor as yourself. And then they go home and they go into other people's homes and they begin to live it out. And they go, okay, so, so how can I love my neighbor as myself? Oh, you have a need. If I loved you the way I love me, I would meet your need. So what's your need? You need help? Okay, fine. Let's meet that need. And they would start selling things and they'd start giving these and they had everything in common and they were glad to do it. They were glad to, to live life with each other because they realized that they were living life with God here on earth with each other. This is where for some of us, somewhere along the line, we, we started to complicate things. Somewhere along the line, we stopped gathering in homes like this. Somewhere we, we, we began to think, take an academic information idea of church and go, okay, so I need to be in a class somewhere. I want to learn how to be a good parent. I need to go to the parenting class. I need to learn how to handle my finances. I need to go to the financial class. I need to learn whatever. I need to go to that class. And we have classes and seasons of time because it is helpful for information. But life transformation is not simply sitting in a class. It's where you can interact with people and you can see how people do things, how their marriage functions, how they handle their finances. Or we can come together and say, okay, like I don't have to be an expert to teach you everything under the sun, but I can show you one thing. But we also have to be willing to take a step and say, I don't know everything and I need help. 
We've been a part of community. My wife and I have been part of community groups in the past where, where we are a tight-knit group of people. We are loving on each other and meeting people's needs. This is even something with our church, even practically. One of the things that we do is we have um, like a benevolence fund, a benevolence ministry, which basically is just, if you need help with financial things, uh, there are some things that we won't help you with because there's a lot of other partner organizations that will, will help you with that, will direct you to them. But there's areas where we will help you. But in that process, one of the first things that we ask is, are you part of a community group? And then with that, we also ask, like, does your group know about this need? Not because we want to embarrass people, not because we want to make your private business public business, but, but, but because we know people love you and they are willing to help you. And you need to, to stop pretending everything is okay and come and say, hey, we have this problem. Hey, we're having this difficult thing. And, and think about with the early church, they couldn't meet needs that they didn't know about. So practically, even you think through, they're in a, a Jewish city. A lot of them are Jews. You go and say, hey, I'm going to go side with the guy that the religious elite and the, the leadership that they just murdered, I'm going to basically go and be like an outcast. I'm going to be almost an outlaw. Like I'm going to go side with them. Like You're going to have huge loss in your life. But they say, you know, that's not worth it. I'm going to be part of this community. And this is where we, as a body of Christ, man, if we could get this right, that would be so attractive to people around us. Like, as you read through this passage, wouldn't you want to be part of a community like this? Not simply people who know each other, but people who come together and really intimately know each other, know your needs, know your struggles, and know how to help you, and are actually willing to help you. Wouldn't you want to be part of that? I'd want to be a part of that. People around you want to be a part of that. And as we're trying to, to live this out and to follow things, like how do we have that community today? Like what can we do today to say, okay, how can I love people like I love myself? How can I follow and, and how can we have that kind of impact? Because the goal of our community groups, and we'll be straight with you, at the end of this service, I would love for every single one of you to go and join a community group in Next Steps building. I'd be all about that. But the goal is not simply for you to connect with people. The goal would be for you to build community and the right kind of community. Because let's also be honest, there's a whole part of uh, your past, possibly my past, possibly, where we've seen the church build really bad community. And the church has been an academic area, and the church has been a, you have to perform in order to, to be here. And, and if you can't perform or conform, then you need to go find the door, and you need to go somewhere else, and you're not welcome here. And our love has limitations to it. And this is as a church, we say our love does not have limitations. As a gathering of believers, as we build healthy community, we say it does not have, like we're not gonna worry about limitations with our love because Jesus doesn't have any limitations towards his love for us. Jesus put it this way. John wrote it down in his book. He said, Jesus tells his followers that he gave them a new command. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That sounds simple, but you think, how has Jesus loved them? How has Jesus loved us? That the primary way Jesus loved us is through sacrificing himself in our place. And you think about that, for all of us, the, the ultimate expression of love, you can do loving things all over the place, you can love people in so many ways, but the ultimate expression of love is sacrifice. Because when I sacrifice for you, I'm saying that I love you more than I love myself. 
And you know I love Justin a lot, especially my hair. My wife teases me about it. She tells me that it's a shame that your hair was wasted on a man. And I said, well, they, the Lord gave me something powerful and entrusted me with it. So I need to, I need to, you know, I need to be a faithful steward of what the Lord's given me. Some of you, you weren't faithful stewards and the Lord took it away. Um, I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's the reason why, but it could totally be the reason why. But the thing is, when Jesus sacrificed himself for us, he showed us incredible love. He didn't just talk about loving us. He didn't just point to things. He didn't say, hey, remember that thing I used to do? Like, I loved you back then. He showed it an ultimate sacrifice, his life, laying down his life for us and saying, I love you. And we, in turn, to have the impact that he had on our lives, we can have similar impact on other people. And we say, we want to sacrifice for you. So what do you need? How can we help you? And true community, not simply connection, true community is where you sacrifice for each other. And for a lot of us, you go through your, your circles of relationships. And you go, okay, like, I think I'm really in community. Like, wait until the hard time comes. There's a lot of truth in the idea that you, you tell who your friends truly are when hard things happen, right? It doesn't mean that everybody else is fake and that they can just forget. But like, like again, your, your ride or die friends, like, my, my, like these are my bros, these are my family. This is like, like family doesn't have to be blood. When hard times come, then you see who your family is. And we as a gathering of believers, we need to rally around people when there's hard times. Paul put it this way in Galatians. He wrote this letter to a church in a city called Galatia. And he said, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, again, he starts with brothers and sisters. We have close relationship. If anyone's caught up in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore the person gently. Now it can almost sound like judgmental of like you who are live by the Spirit, you find someone caught in a sin. This isn't like a we're going fishing for people who are sinning and messing up, but we're going to come up and expose you and embarrass you in front of everybody. That's not what it's talking about. It's like as you're living life together, you're going to see someone operating out of bounds in some way. And you know you operate out of bounds in some way. I operate out of bounds in some way. My kids operate out of bounds in some way. As I'm living life, I'll see someone go, like, that doesn't seem right. Like someone should, someone should say something. Now, you're the someone who should say something because you have the relationship. But how are we supposed to do it? We restore the person gently. The word here, restore, is actually talking about how you bring back something that is torn or broken. Like you put something back together. The reality is when you or I, when we live our lives outside of the bounds and outside the boundaries of what God has for us, we're on a path to break our lives. But nobody, nobody ever breaks their life on purpose, right? Nobody ever tears things apart. Now, everyone, we all know that person that is making the conscious decisions that you're looking at their life and you're going like, you're going to ruin things. Like, you don't think that relationship, you don't think that deal, you don't think that thing's going to catch up with you later, but it totally will, and you're going to ruin things. But they never think they're doing that. And this is where we see someone whose life is broken and torn, we don't go and throw a Bible verse at them and kick them. Read this seven days in a row, and you'll be all better. 
Because the, the people of God, the community of God, should be two things. It should be spiritual and scripture, and it should be social. You should have relationship with people. When we only have the spiritual or the scriptural side of things, then we just hand people Bible verses and try to get intellect over to them and go, okay, you just focus on you. You don't worry about the relationship part of it. But also at the same time, when we go just with social, just relationships, it's not complete because we have no power because the power comes from the word of God. It has to be both of those things working together. This is the thing that I know that you know as well. It's easy to love someone when things are good. It's easy to love someone when everything's fine and things are good, but when their life falls apart, when your life falls apart, that is when you have the opportunity to show the love of Christ even more. To show the love that you've been given either even more. And again, isn't this a type of community you'd want to be a part of? People who don't yell at you and degrade you and talk down to you and make you feel horrible about your decision, but people who come alongside gently and say, hey, how, how can we help put things, things back together? It doesn't mean that there are no consequences for the, the, cho- the choices you've made because consequences are a reality of life. But how can we love you unconditionally, even through this hard time? But as we're helping people, this is so interesting, Paul adds this, but as we're helping people, as we're restoring them gently, we have to watch ourselves or we may also be tempted. Now, I kind of always thought that this was talking about we could be tempted to do the thing that they're doing, like whatever decision they made that broke their life apart, we could do the same thing. But I'm not really sure that's what it's talking about. Because I know for me, when I see someone who's messed up, who's wrecked their life, it's really easy for me to be tempted to be judgmental, to be condemning. Really easy for me to show how much I know and feel good about myself, to become proud, to, to gossip to other people, to talk about, about it to people who have no business knowing about it. So even as I'm restoring them gently, it's not simply, I gotta watch out, make sure I don't step in the same, same trap they did, but I need to really check my heart, check my attitude, and really, really look to Jesus and say, okay, how would you have me do this? And when we can do this right, we have a profound power and impact on people. The next passage of this, Paul says that we need to carry each other's burdens. And the power we have when we carry each other's burdens, we will fulfill the law of Christ. The reality is Jesus did not say the way you love God is the ultimate expression of love. It's the way you love other people. Paul did not say that the way that you treat the church in general, the way that you go to church, the the church attendance, your giving, your service, he didn't say any of those things matter in fulfilling the law of Christ. It's this thing right here, carrying each other's burdens, caring for people. So when you find yourself in a situation, when we find ourselves in situations where it is easy to be judgmental, it's easy to walk away, it's easy not to love them anymore, we remember Jesus has loved us incredibly and we will love other people unconditionally. A practical thing to help you remember, even hopefully this sticks in your brain, when you're in a situation like this, remember these three words, care, don't compare. You care first, and you keep caring. Don't worry, there's no amount of, I cared too much. You just keep caring. But don't compare your mess to their mess. Don't compare your situation to their situation. Don't compare their acts of apology or repentance with what you think they should be doing. You stop comparing your life to their life because when I'm comparing, really I'm saying that I am the judge and I am the measuring stick. If you could live your life like I live my life, then you'd be all right, which honestly, that's incredibly proud. 
This is where we, we go and we care. We say, okay, I don't totally understand everything in your situation, but I'm going to love you regardless. Because Jesus has loved me regardless. When I was unlovable, Jesus loved me. So even in the time right now where, honestly, you're kind of unlovable, you're kind of a mess, I'm going to love you anyways. And this is where it's a, a grace and truth. A, hey, like grace is I give you something you don't deserve. I give you love, even though you don't deserve love, because Jesus has given me love even when I don't deserve love. But Jesus was also very truthful. And this is like two sides of the same coin. It's not a competing thing. Because if you have grace and no truth, it's not grace. And if you have truth and no grace, it's not truth. We say, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to tell you the truth of, hey, like this is something I would love to help you with. I'm not going to send you out for help. I am the help right here with you. I'll carry this with you no matter how much time it takes, no matter how long. And isn't that the kind of community we want? Isn't that the kind of community where we say, I don't have to worry about having everything together. I don't have to worry about offending every single person by anything. Like, I can show up. I can just be me. One of the things I loved was we had, in one of our community groups, we had a family that came, and, and it's such a funny thing, but it's such a great symbol of just coming and being okay is, like, the whole family came in their pajamas. And it was like, a, we just, man, you know, it's been one of those days. And we just came, like, we're not going to try to dress up. We're not getting our hair did. We're not doing any of that stuff. We're just showing up, and we're here because this is important to us, and this is the real us. We don't have everything put together. Last week, we talked about having people around your kitchen table, showing people an authentic version of yourself. That has to happen in community as well. And as we're living in community, it's not simply a reactive thing. We're okay, where I need to love people, and, and if you mess up, then I'm going to go and love. No, it's a, a proactive, we're actively helping each other live the life that we're called to live. If you see, if your notes down a little bit, you go through, uh, it goes into Hebrews chapter 10. If you have your Bible, go to Hebrews 10, and it talks about how we need to consider, we need to think about, we need to focus on pushing each other. Focus on, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We need to be with people. I recently began working out again. I know you probably can't tell, but I did start do that this past week. And you wouldn't believe how hard it is to work out on your own. I hate it. It's even me and the TV and the guys on the TV, they're all doing stuff. I'm like, yeah, but you guys already got six packs already. Like, I don't have that yet. But I'm working out and it's so hard. But even times that my wife and I have exercised together, it is so different but you also have to know how to push each other to do good things. My wife and I, we'd go running together and we'd go up like a big hill and we get to the top and she's like, honestly, she's mad because she doesn't really like the challenge of that. She's like frustrated. I tell her like, babe, just say that was easy. Just say that. Like, I'm like, yeah, like I'm like, I'll charge double. Like, that was easy. That's nothing. And she's like, shut up. Leave me alone. It wasn't easy. Well, I'm like, I'm excited. This is where we push each other on. If you are involved in anything in life, you're going to get tired. You're going to get exhausted. You're not going to have what you need anymore. And this is where we, as a gathering of believers, when we have community people, we push people on and we say, honestly, don't go back to that relationship. You know that wasn't good for you and you're tempted. You want to go back to them. You want to go back to that workplace, whatever it is. Don't go back to that relationship. It's not going to help you. We will help you. Say, don't step into that area. Don't do that thing. The thing that you're talking about, thinking about doing, like, I'm going to step in because I love you. 
I'm going to push you to do the right things. And this is where, as we have real and authentic community, it leads to action. This is not simply attending something. When you think about community group, like reality, you don't need another casual set of friends that you see every couple of weeks. You don't need another group of people that you kind of know but don't really know that I show up at your house and we eat something and we talk about something. Maybe we watch a video, we pray a little bit, we go home. Like you don't need that. You're too busy for that. And if that's our view of community, then our view is really, really small. Because this is what I know. If you had a community that loved you unconditionally, that helped you restore your life back together when the pieces all fell apart, and that pushed you to do good and right things, and you loved people, you'd give up almost anything in your schedule to be there. And this is where our view of community is not simply attending something. It's not simply going through a series and and talking through some notes and watching a video. Like, that's so cheap. That's not going to have any lasting impact in your life. But when we can get together with people and really join arms and say, we're going to live life together. It doesn't mean that we're moving into a commune and we're all going to live on the same street, but we are going to walk through things. We're going to be honest about things. Like right now, our family, we got three kids four and under. It's really tough. We need people around us that can come alongside us and really help us to be the parents and the people that God would have us to be. Because we need help with that because it's exhausting. In your season of life, you may be exhausted. This is where we as believers need to have community. The next passage of this passage, it goes on and it says, we don't give up meeting together. The writer just, just lays it out there. You need to encourage, you need to be pushing each other to do the right things, but don't give up meeting together because some people, you're in the habit of doing that. But we need to encourage one another all the more. We need to do it more and more as we see the day approaching. As we we believe Jesus is coming back, we need to be pushing each other to do more and more as it gets closer because we know each other better and better. We know the limitations of each other. We know when to say, hey, like, I know you're really trying to live this out, but you could do so much better because I've seen you do so much better. Where we have relationships, and, and the reality, and this is true for all of us, you can't do what God wants you to do if you're not with the people he wants you to be with. So you're trying to do that thing, like there's no lone, Christ, lone ranger Christianity. There's no power in you just living, and again, it's, it's just between me and God, and we're going to live life. That's, that's not anywhere in Scripture. You've been saved, you've been restored to God into a community. Scripture talks about how we are, we are one. And for all of us, we get to be part of this community. We get to embrace community. A community that loves unconditionally because I choose to love unconditionally. Not because I show up to a group and hope everyone loves me. I show up loving. I'm going to love everyone unconditionally. We show up to a group and say, I'm not going to wait until my life falls apart. I'm going to love unconditionally. And then simultaneously with loving you unconditionally, when things start to fall apart, even if it's not a huge disaster in your life, but when things are difficult, I'm going to help you. I'm going to push you to do the things that you know you want to do. You know you want to do. Because as you look back at your life, you look at all the things like you regret things that you wish you hadn't done and you regret the things you wish you had done. And we can be in a community and say, okay, we want to keep you from regretting doing things that you're going to regret later. And we want to keep you and push you to do things that you're not going to say, man, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have taken that step. I wish I would have stepped out because God could have done an incredible thing. I was just scared. And so we, as a community, we can step together and say, I know you're scared to do that block party. 
I know you're scared to have that conversation. I know you're scared and you're worried about the situation with this and them and that thing and it's really toxic and horrible. Like I know you're scared, but we want to help you walk. And this is the beautiful thing. As we've lived in a community, from my personal experience, we have prayed things for people that are insane to pray. And if you weren't in the context, I won't tell you what it is, but if you were not in the context of that group, you go, why would they ever pray for that thing? Because they want to do the right thing and we want to help them do the right thing. And it's so crazy. It's so counter to anything other, any other relationship you have. But here in our community, in our gathering, in our family, that's how we want to live. So practically, how do we do this? Like, how can we do this in our lives? Because we're not the 3,000 people that we looked at in Acts. This is not the first century. You know, how do we do this? Like today, August 2018, how can we live this out? As we grow in our gathering on Sunday mornings, it gets harder and harder to have a small group of people that you're connecting with that you are known by and you know them. So it's hard to do that. So the way we break this down is we go through uh, completely having a small group ministry mindset in every area of our church and our gathering. So for children, uh, we have from birth to fifth grade, we have center point kids. That happens every single service. We have a service always going on over there. We have people who are, they're not teachers, they're small group leaders where some of you are this, some of you uh, should thank these people every time you pick up your child and just like honestly just love on them because they're doing an incredible job of, they come and, and they get together. They don't teach the whole lesson. They just focus on connecting with six to eight students and teaching them in a small group setting. Like what does it mean to live out what we just learned? They ask questions, they do activities, they have fun with your kids, but we have people who are investing in the children in our gathering and we're seeing God do an incredible thing. It's not about having, I mean, like a few services last week, we had over 100 kids in one service. It's packed. It's crazy. If we try to connect with every kid, it'd be impossible. But when we can have small group leaders to connect each with six or eight kids, then we can see those kids that know who they're coming in to see. Their small group leader knows them. This is why we even, the serving rotation we have, like we know we ask a lot, but we also believe you're investing a lot and you'll have a great return on your investment. So we want to ask for a lot because the kids mean a lot probably preach a whole message on that, but I can't. So then we go to middle school, high school, we have Velocity, where your students come, and, and yeah, we have a bunch of kids here, but it's the same thing. After the message, they go and they sit with an adult leader where there's six to eight students, and they talk with them about how to live it out, and they know your student. And these are the people, if you have middle school, high school, these are the people that your student's going to ask really hard questions to. Because they're not always going to go to you. I wish they would go to you. We would want them to go to you. And when they come to us with hard things, we want to bring them back to you because we understand we're partnering with parents. But you as a parent, you love your kid more than anybody. And, and as a dad myself, I want as many people to love my kids and pour to them as possible. So bring your kids to Velocity. It's, it's age appropriate. We want to make these environments exciting and enticing for the people in those environments. So it's not super exciting for me all the time. That's okay. I'm not middle school or high school anymore. We're going to do things I don't like to do. That's okay. Because it's not about me. It's about the students coming. We want students to love coming to Velocity. For our young adults, 18 to 30 age range, we have the Grove, which we're relaunching. This Tuesday night, we're having a cookout. If you're 18 to 30, come to our cookout, 7 o'clock. You can show up at 6.30 if you want to. We're going to be hanging out, having fun. We're going to start eating about 7. It's not going to be a big service. There's not a lot of programming. It's literally come, eat food, meet people. 
We're going to have services. We're going to have activities. We're going to be doing things later in the year. We're going to have community groups, again, where we can connect. Because as you're going through the formative years of your young adult years, you're making all sorts of decisions that you're trying to figure out all kinds of life. You need a group of people to walk through that with. And then for all of our other adults, we have community groups. And this is where you can sign up for this today and next steps right after this. You go right beyond the food truck. Go sign up for a group, then go back and get food truck and sit down and talk with people. Meet people who have community group t-shirts on where you can talk with them. These are people who are just like you that don't have everything in life figured out, that work regular jobs or they stay at home with their kids or they don't have kids or whatever it is. And they just live regular life and they're opening up their home and themselves and saying, we want to build community with people because it's that important to us. This is how we say, okay, if we could have you function in community, if every age group could be doing this, it could have impact, like crazy impact. But it's not just connecting. And let me be kind of maybe strong with you, I don't know, but like this is a reality. Like you dropping your kid off or showing up at church once every six weeks, you're just connecting, you're not having any real impact. I'm not mad about it, I just want something more for you. You having your student decide if they should go to Velocity or not, like this is the truth. And I won't tell you how to raise your kids, but I'm going to tell you how to raise your kids in this thing. There are all kinds of things my two and a half year old and four year old don't want to do. Like brushing their teeth, going to bed, eating their food. Oh, sweet Jesus, if we could get them to eat a meal without threatening all sorts of things. But there are all kinds of things that as a father, and I hope I'm a loving father, I really want to love my kids really, really well, that things that they don't want to do, that they don't see the value for, but I do because I know it's important. As parents, this is the thing. You got to get your kids in community. This is a reality. Even if it's not here, I don't care what student ministry they go to. If there's another church where they got friends they all go to school with, take them there. I don't care. It's not about trying to build a large group of kids here. It's about your kid getting in the word of God with people, getting face-to-face, knee-to-knee, and talking to people and seeing their life grow and change. And you need this too. This is not just for your kids. I'm just letting the whole thing all flow out right now, okay? Is that okay? This is not just about your kids. People, this is what happens. You, you go to church, you grow up in church, you leave church for 10 to 15 years. When you have kids and you go, oh, church was important for my kids, so I need to go back in church. That's a lie. Church is important for you. You need to get in community and not simply showing up and connecting with people. You need to go first and love people unconditionally. You need to go first and, and help it and restore it. and showing up at someone's house and saying, I know you're mad at me. I know you don't want me here, but I'm not leaving until you change this thing because this thing that you're doing is wrecking your life. Where we step in and we say, we will love people no matter what they do. We will push people to do the right thing no matter what. This is the thing where, where you get to choose to do this. Right now, I know it's the school year's just beginning and things are crazy and the schedules are all crazy, but you can choose what you value. You can choose what's important. You can choose what relationships will have the most impact in your family this next year. This is where for every single one of us, we need to choose if we are a believer, even if you're not a believer, you're welcome to come. And you might say, this sounds crazy and like high standard. Like this is not a high standard. This is you come and you connect and you connect enough and it grows into community. Like that's the goal that we would grow together into a place. Like you're not the first week sharing everything and it's all weird. That would be totally, honestly, inappropriate and weird. I wouldn't want to be a part of that myself. But we, we grow in relationship to get to the point to say, hey, I need help. And I trust the people in this circle to help me. 
for all of us, you need to choose this. Because in 10 years, let's be real, 10 years, the sports your kids are playing this semester, the extracurriculars your kids are doing, all the homework, yes, school's important, get good grades in school, but in reality, in 10 years, five years, like that's not gonna matter that much. But if you had for yourself and for your family, a group of people who cared for you, loved you unconditionally, helped you stay on the path God had for you and pushed you to do the right thing, the impact that would have is incredible five years from now. It's incredible. So would you do that today? Would you join a community group? Would you commit right now as a family or as a single or as a couple? It's like, we are going to be involved in a community. It doesn't mean that we show up every single time the church is open. We're not here for all three services, but we're gonna find a group of people and we're gonna connect. We're going to love them well and we're gonna allow them to love us well. Because this will have a huge difference in your life if you'd step into community. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for stepping into our humanity, God, taking yourself and bringing your love to us. And God, I just pray that we would be able to look at our lives, God, and rearrange schedules and reprioritize to say, I need community. It's not something where I have a casual set of friends, but these are people that I want to love and grow with. And God, I want to help and they will love and grow and help me. God, I pray for people who are on the fence right now trying to figure out if they should do it. God, I just want you to please speak to them. God, don't even focus on what I'm saying. God, speak to them and lead them. They, they just need to do this. And God, that we could have an incredible community that is welcoming and loving to all people and attractive to unbelievers. God, I pray you would just give us that. Please give us community that makes it easy to invite people who don't believe in because we love each other so well. Thank you for loving us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.